I was invited up to Sonoma by my friends Catherine and Matt Francis, who recently became the new owners of a small winery called Inkadoo Wines. It seemed like kismet. You see, before I was born, my parents, influenced by the times or their love of mythology, were going to name me Inkadoo after the forest king from the Sumerian epic of Gilgamesh. Luckily, I guess, they changed their mind. Still, I couldn't shake the coincidence of this winery which shared my prenatal name. Hi, I'm Dana Elmquist, and I'm going up to Sonoma to learn more about what makes Inkadoo wines different, how Catherine and Matt got involved, and of course, to taste some wine. It's an unusually hot October day here in Sonoma. I'm walking up to the tasting room of Inkadoo Wines to meet Rebecca Call. Hi, Dana. Nice to meet you in Hi, person. Hi, nice to meet you. Come up to the bar right here. Everything will be closest there. It should be nice and comfy. Welcome to Inkadoo. We'll get you some water to start. All right, we get started with our classic tasting menu. Got five different wines on here. We start with the rosé, and then we just build in body and intensity until um, we hit humbaba, which is a big, big wrong blend. Um, first thing first, though, is water. I push a lot of water. Hydration is important. But I'm here, right, you don't have to drink all the wine I pour you, but I recommend you, uh, you drink all the water that I pour you. <laughs> all right, we have a just-in-case bucket. Um, there's never any offense. You need to dump something, whether there's too much or if it's not to your taste, there's no questions asked on these. Um, it is helpful if you let me know, like, I don't like this one, or if we get to two, you're like, I don't like these two, I can switch directions. So I'm happy to customize it so we can figure out what you like. You don't have to worry about feedback. It's always welcome. You can't hurt my feelings. I didn't, I didn't make it. I didn't make any of the wine. I only pass along good compliments. Good comments to the winemaker. So folks, this winemaker she's talking about, that's Phil Staley. He's the founder of Inkadoo Wines and the winemaker to this day. I got to talk to him about the origin of Inkadoo and how he got started. I'd love to hear your journey, Phil, from college to working in the restaurant, buying wine, if I'm getting this all right. Oh, you, notes, you, to, you're not going you know. nearly far back enough. It started in ancient Sumeria. <laughs> <laughs> he was seven years old. <laughs> when I was in Sumeria, my, and my, yeah, my, my, you know, 30 generations ago when I was in Sumeria. <laughs> yeah, I came on wine really organically. The journey of really being interested in wine. And I was born in Berkeley, but we moved when I was a really, really young age up into a very rural area. And it's all about bad beer and bad whiskey. <laughs> and it was not about wine and sophistication at all. But it was really my sister, older sister of 10 years. She was coming home from college, and along with her boyfriend at the time, they were bringing bottles that had corks in them. And uh, so there was this mystery behind these bottles. I quickly started accumulating a collection well before I was 21 years old. Worked in a liquor store when I was 18, 19 years old. I was going to Davis. I had just started going to UC Davis. I was there not for wine. I was there actually to play baseball and just try and get through the college. So, But I did take classes when I was there. Political science, pre-law, foreign policy. But really, my collection started before that. And so when I was 17, 18 years old, I started collecting these bottles of wine. And by the time I got to Davis, I had 50 bottles in my collection. So quite sizable for a young underage. man. Underage. <laughs> man, a young man of, of 18, 19 years old, right? So being an athlete, I was in a house of five of us all together. Tremendous appetites. So we were polishing off two <laughs> bottles a night, a chicken, and a couple of loaves of bread <laughs> or spaghetti. And so needless to say, my 
The collection was absolutely just wiped out within about two or three months. And I had no money at that point as a college student. So there was a dearth of wine for a period of time. As I graduated and I started working in restaurants and became a bartender and a wine buyer for the restaurant. And being a wine buyer, you are exposed to a good 50 tastings a week. And so you really start training that muscle free in your mind from appreciation of the aesthetics of wine. Shortly after, like in 1987, Pam Starr was having a party and Pam Starr, and she was a sorority sister of my wife's. She is a very, very good winemaker. She has Crocker Star Winery here in Sonoma. And so we were talking and talking. He said, well, if you're really serious about wine, come on up here, apply for a job. Sitting here as a bartender, have all kinds of freedom and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, it's like, yeah, do I want to take a cut of pay of like $15,000 and have no freedom? Sure, let's do it. And, and that basically was what launched my, my career in winemaking, learning the craft of making wine, starting off as a cellar rat. And, and eventually elevating myself to assistant winemaker at, at Carmenet. Then eventually started my own brand, Inkadu, in 2004. We're now in 2023. We've done 20 vintages now. This is our 20th finish for, for Inkadu. Well, and as I've already talked about, I have a personal connection to this name. I was almost named Inkadu. So I had to know, why'd they name the winery Inkadu? It was one of those things where we were struggling to find a name. And um, at the time, I had a dog. I was a huge fan of the story, the epic of Gilgamesh, from whence Enkidu comes from. Mm-hmm. And so it's a Sumerian tale that dates back to about 4,000 to 5,000 years. And so I love the story, and I named my dog Enkidu. Mm-hmm. And so my dog is literally walking around the table, and we're going, oh, obviously it's this. <laughs> and because of what Enkidu represents. I mean, he is the ruler of the good land. That's what his name means. And he is the the heat. He's the passion. He's the protector of animals. He came sprung from the earth. And that's what we do. And that's who we are. And if you see us during harvest, a lot of times, well, my hair used to be down to my shoulders, really <laughs> furry, and my knuckles were dragging on the ground, pretty much like Ankadu. This was, yeah, to me, a no-brainer. This is exactly what we need to choose for our brand, this name, Ankadu. All right, so we're starting with our Chamat Rosé, and this is a GSM Rosé, so it's a Grenache Syrah Mouved, which is a classic Rhone blend Rosé, so it's becoming more popular, actually. I've seen more and more Rhone Rosés, so I don't know if they copied Phil or if I just didn't notice them before. This one we're looking for floral, stone fruits, you know, a little bit of peach, a little bit of apricot, really, really light herbs, you know, sort of like fresh-picked wildflowers. I like it a lot. So our winemakers is a sort of trademark or what he's going for with his rosés and his white wines is just to make sure they are as smooth as possible. So there's no harshness, nothing, nothing to get in the way between smelling it and drinking it. You can barely feel them going down, which I think is a little dangerous. And I see it just won an award at the New York International Wine Competition. It did. So that was fun. So they uh, gave us 96 points, double gold, on our 2022 vintage. They also named us Sonoma County Rosé Winery of the Year. It was a very nice compliment. We were, we were excited about that. I know if I like a wine and I found out it's won some awards, I just, you know, feel a little better about myself. I'm like, oh, the experts agree with me, a little pat on the back. Before we get too far into this, let's go back to Catherine. You know, she's the reason we're here in the first place. And I'd like to learn a little bit more about why a winery and why now? When I started working, my first gig was in La Jolla. Lots of really fancy restaurants and really good wine shops. We would go out as colleagues to these really nice restaurants with the partners. And I was introduced to some really nice Napa Cat and... Wow, I didn't know that's what wine could taste like. And that was 97, uh, 98, and we were drinking 94 Camas and Dominus. That was my very first introduction to wine. And uh, during the weekend, I went to a grocery store and realized I cannot afford the wine that I was drinking (laughs) at work. (laughs) 
So I was right into the deep end of lush, big, foo-forward, tannic cab to go with steak, fancy meal. I just love the whole thing about the sharing of the people, the chemistry between the food and wine, and the history behind it. And I started to venture out of California. Then I learned about South America wine, and I started doing wine tasting with some friends. We learned about French wine and Bordeaux. Learned about the left bank and the right bank, and I was hooked. Fast forward, I met Matt. We used to go wine tasting up and down the coast. That was. The fun time. And some after time, some post time. <laughs> the idea of buying a winery was not something I set out to do. When Matt and I started thinking about what do we want to do someday when we retire, and during the pandemic, we were daydreaming a lot, like a lot of people. We did a lot of BevMo runs and endless <laughs> Zoom, and we dream about what life is like when it's outside a pandemic. I tried starting a company in biotech a number of years ago.、Uh, it was a moonshot company. We didn't quite reach the moon, but I learned a lot from that. So I knew something about myself. I don't necessarily want to start something from the ground because I'm really good with running operation, marketing, finance, and producing a product. I'm really missing the part about being a maker. I want something physical. Working the land, making something is very attractive to me. So I remember first time meeting Phil very well. That first meeting, it was one of probably the most spontaneous thing I've. Done in my life, which was to bring a dog to a business meeting. <laughs> I was researching about Enkidu, and I liked the name, and I read about it, and I liked the history. I liked what it represents, and I thought it was interesting. But I didn't really know what I had in common with Phil, with a winemaker. What does a business executive in tech have in common with winemakers? So. I researched Phil, and he has a black lab, a winery dog, and I do. So I'm like, well, we got something in common. So I brought the dog with me, and and that was sort of the beginning of a wonderful yeah. friendship. Yeah, Matt. Catherine's husband remembers it slightly differently. From my perspective, I knew you were going up here for the meeting. I stayed back with Ryan, our son. You called me on, and you were kind of giddy about the whole thing.、Well, uh, and I heard a little bit about、wine. Phil and how great Phil was, and you know he's an awesome person. But he actually heard about the dog. Honestly, <laughs> I heard every, everything was about Phil's dog. dog actually, yeah, yeah for the most of it. You know, between the two, it was probably thirty minutes of stories and getting us as she's driving back. And then finally, she's like, "And where do you try the wine?" So I may have said something about I think there's something special here, but I'm not going to rush into it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's not.、Uh... <laughs> but of course, that's what it really was. She came home, I think, with three or four bottles or something, and so we did a little tasting, and it blew us away. So the next wine is going to be a big jump in intensity and body. We're going from a Pinot Noir to a Syrah, and Syrahs are big. These are big wines. This one has lovely amount of age on it. This is a 2017 a single vineyard Syrah, so it's from the Atusa Vineyard in Russian River Valley. We only did、uh, two vintages with them, and it's been really fun to see how they age sort of in tandem. Um, so it's going to be quite different from the, the the Pinot Noir. It's a little more fruit driven, but I'm curious to see what sort of food elements and things you get from this, or if you do get a ton of fruit. Everyone's experience is always a little different. I mean, it's much darker. Yeah, you get fruit, but then there's a lot 
a lot of kind of complexity. If you've done a Serrare, there's a lot going on. When, I, when I'm looking at this, at 50 cases produced, this is a tiny batch. Very tiny, yeah. Most of our single vineyards are between 50 and, and 75 mm -hmm. cases. So, I mean, there's a very practical reason for that, too. When you do blends, you know, you can pull for multiple vineyards. Mm -hmm. When you're doing a single vineyard designate, which is what they call them, 95% of the fruit has to be from that vineyard in order for you to use the vineyard name on the bottle. And so when you've got one vineyard and multiple people buying from it, you know, you, the amount you can get is always much, much smaller. But it's, it's really interesting to see these site-specific characteristics. You'll hear terroir, you know, people talk about that a lot while you're in wine country. And it's basically just tasting what the, what the earth is giving to a wine versus what the varietal is versus the clone, all these other things. And it can be really interesting to see site to site what a, what a Syrah can be like grown in one place versus another place. So, Dana, we are at the part of the tasting where I like to give tours. Walk I'd love that. Thank to. you. All right. First things first, we need some wine in our glass. I've decided it's bad luck to do a tour with an empty glass or with no glass. And Thank I don't want to um, test that. So let's go. We've got the humbaba in the glass, which should open up nicely as we walk around. Meet you on this side. And let's head out onto the patio first. Beautiful patio. Do you guys do private events here? We do. It do our um, our pickup parties. So when we have wine club members who usually pick up their wine versus the ones who haven't shipped, we like to do parties here a couple times a year. They do weddings here, quinceañeras, retirement parties, all sorts of gorgeous things. It's amazing how this space can transform. All right, so we're gonna hit the gravel and head back into the production area. It's a little busy, so we may need to sort of watch from the sideline. And again, you said it was a shared production facility. It is, yeah. So they call it a custom crush facility. Well, what does um, that mean? So for small wineries, it's difficult to afford your own wine production facility, your own little winery. So what a lot of small brands will do is that they will work with a custom crush facility like this that will let them use the equipment to make their wine here. There's also a shared cellar staff. The winemakers are as involved as they, as they want to be. Phil is always very hands-on with, with every part that he can be here for. There's cellar staff here to implement any, any directions he has, all the temperature checks and sugar checks and things like that, bricks and temp. Lots more people get to make wine because of facilities like this. So we get a lot more expression of different wines and different winemakers through production facilities like this. And here we are standing underneath a olive An tree. An olive tree, yes. We've right? got, um, yeah, we have olive trees all over the property here. And it's very common to see olive trees all throughout uh, Sonoma Valley just because, same with, you know, when you go to Italy, a lot of places where olives are happy, grapes are happy too. Part of the terroir. Part of the terroir, exactly. What part of the facility is this? It's called the crush pad, typically. Sometimes the breezeway when no one's here is how I, I think about it. We're looking at a gigantic bladder press. Yes. Right, right, right in front of us, yeah. So when you're making uh, white wines, they'll, the grapes will get sorted, we'll get the stems off, and then they will go into this giant bladder press. For white wines, typically you are fermenting the juice on its own. You're not leaving the skins on unless you're making something like orange wine. So this is fascinating to see, just the huge tubs of juice that you get off of this fruit that ends up fermenting on its own for a while before it's, it's put into barrel or stainless steel or, or clay or, or whatever. So if you can picture exactly what happened here, we had those three different grapes that came in and they were all separately pressed in this bladder press. This big bladder that fills up with air inside squishes all the grapes to the side. The reason rosé is so light, all of the color body structure from a red wine comes from the skins. It was, it was quite a shock to me actually when I started learning about wine, where rosé came from. I would have assumed anything else than, than what it is. It basically is the juice from freshly picked red wine grapes because they haven't had very much contact with the skins, there's not a lot of color that comes. And the body and the structure that would come from the skins is gone, but you get this 
lovely lighter sort of echo of a red wine. And they're so much fun. You can play with different varietals and the colors will change depending on how long, you know, the grapes have been sitting there. All right, so we're gonna walk all the way through. Watch your step, it's very wet right now. We can actually see in this bin, these have been pressed. This is leftover that's gonna get composted. All right, so things are a little busy inside, but what's more fun is actually to go to the vineyard. We wanna take right, a look. Let's go. It's a little steep here. And we're looking at vineyards right after things have been harvested. You're gonna see lots of fruit that's been dropped on the ground. It's a little dusty, but you are always welcome to try something. And what uh, varietal are we looking at? Uh, it's a Chardonnay. This looks like it may have already been picked, right? There's not very much left. Exactly, so you can see a lot of it on the ground. Very, very sweet, particularly right before they're about to be harvested or once they've been harvested. There's always a very small window when I can bring people back here and we can actually try them. But it's so much fun to check in and just to picture again, you know, the end product, what we start with. Incredibly Plus it makes for lovely pictures. I love being able to come back here and clear my head and just take a stroll around everything and check in with the back and see, see how everything's going. People always act like I'm doing them a huge favor by bringing them back here. I was like, no, I love getting on my feet and looking at everything. To watch people comfortably say what they like the best at the end of the tasting, to order a bottle, you know, a while they start talking about what they would pair it with. People relax and they start planning their future with this bottle. I think it's really important, and I've always believed, is the demystification yes. of wine. Yeah. yeah, we don't need to make it a, this mystery and, and it be so mystified by it. First off, we always want people to relax, but it's also understand it's a beverage. I take it seriously when I'm producing the wine, but when we're drinking wine, let's not get too serious about it. It's something there to experience with people, to eat and have food and break bread. It's something there to enjoy. There was literally just a couple here yesterday, and I'm always curious about how people founding could do basically. There are just hundreds of wineries out here. The fact that they walked in through our doors just seems like such a one in a million shot. You know, doing the tasting, getting them snacks and things, and, and Butch and I are sort of trading off. It was a slow day, so we're just getting to know them. And, and finally it comes out that it was their anniversary. And I was Aww. like, of all the wineries, I'm so glad you came here exactly. to celebrate with us. Exactly. I'm like, how touching. And so we not only got to be part of their tasting experience, the fact that they picked our winery of all the wineries to have this very, very special day. So they made a reservation while they were here for dinner based on a recommendation that we gave them. People put a lot of trust in us too, as far as what they should be experiencing or what's the best out here too. And it feels like it's sort of a big responsibility. Then I remember I'm like, we're here, we're here to enjoy ourselves. I'm like, it, you can't go too wrong, which is often what I tell people with restaurant recommendations, to watch them sort of take our advice and to, to shape the rest of their evening on this wonderful celebration was, um, was a special thing to be a part of. Sounds like with time, great wines open up. And from what I'm hearing, everyone who comes in also opens up, given the right glass of wine. Yeah, part of that is, is taking the time. I'm able to, to tell people to take their time, and if it's two hours that they're sitting there enjoying, that's fine. No one wants to rush through drinking wine, and the wine responds better, and the people respond better. And Sonoma's just, it, it has a reputation for being laid back. They'll call it slow Sonoma sometimes. We're really spoiled here. Yeah. It is nice to give people what my experience has been with Sonoma, is that we're not in a hurry. There's so much to enjoy here. Take your time. Becca, thank you so much for showing me around the tasting room, the production facility, and these beautiful vineyards on this incredibly warm fall day. It's my pleasure. I'm really glad that you found us. Sonoma is beautiful, and I can feel myself slowing down. I got to meet Catherine, Phil, Matt, and Becca, and you'll get to hear from them again. But I just got a text from Phil, and it looks like the Pinot grapes are going to get picked tonight. 
dropped off at the facility tomorrow morning, and we'll be back here first thing in the morning to sort them and learn from Phil all about the winemaking process, literally from vine to goblet. I hope you join us.